Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Player Show here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. we got a big night for you tonight with Titus Howard and Blake Cashman. Before we get to our players, want to express our sympathy, our condolences to the family and friends and anyone associated with Coach Mike Leach, who passed away this morning. And speaking of people associated who have worked with him, Drew Doherty, our very own Drew, was host of the Mike Leach Show in Lubbock when Drew was working for a local TV station there and Leach was the head coach. So we'll have Drew Doherty's stories in the 7 o'clock hour talking about Coach Leach and some audio as well. So many great contributions. Recently coached a Texas kickoff game here in 2019 with Washington State. Let's get to the player show now. As I pointed out, one of our guests is none other than long-tenured Texan from 2019's draft, Titus Howard. Titus, how's it going? Good to have you here. So good to be here been a while since we visited all right so here we go uh you guys are moving the football you just got through this tremendous effort against the cowboys that came up short what was it like being part of that game being part of that atmosphere oh yeah it was uh it was a good atmosphere to be a part of it was my first time like playing against the cowboys in a regular season um so um you know it was, it was it was a good game uh i feel like we fought all the way to the end uh we just came up short on the goal line in the end and uh i think we needed that touchdown but we didn't get it all right, I got to ask you this, and you can get mad at me if you want, but why does Damian keep giving the ball to Laramie to spike? How come he didn't give it to you to spike? How come he doesn't yeah. spread it around? He gave, he, Jacksonville, he gave him one, which I understood because Laramie's from Lake City. I get that. How come he's not hooking his boy up? What's going on? How come it's always Laramie? How come it's not you? If I'm being completely honest, I don't even be, like, all the way back in the end zone when they be scoring. Because, <laughs> like, I be had to get ready for field goal and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah that's true. Like, I celebrate quick, and I just move on to go to the field goal because, uh, right. like, last week we was a little late sitting up for the field goal, and we almost got a penalty for it. So, <laughs> like, I'm was sure on. you heard about it. Yeah, I heard about it. So, I was like, all right, Tyus, you got to hurry up. So That's big, yeah. too. 33 yeah. yards becomes 38 yards. Facts. Gets a little tougher, right? It does. So, Fairbairn. He'll have something to say about it, too, right? Yeah, it's not like the olden days when, like, you would <laughs> just kick from a three-yard line, two-yard yeah. line. and it's, Chip yeah. shot. You could take, like, three delay of games if you right. wanted to. <laughs> you out there dancing the fool for, like, an hour before you had to kick it. Titus Howard with us. Uh, Damien's had a heck of a season, and I know that's a, uh, an effort that everybody's involved in, blocking, running. Running game's doing better this year. So what goes into that besides Damien's ability itself? Uh, I think it just uh, we got a good scheme. Uh, I think all the guys take pride in, you know, trying to get Damien to 1,000 yards. Um, he's like 60 yards away. Um, and, we you know, we just want to do what we can to, you know, help him get there, especially that's big of him doing that as a rookie. Uh, we haven't th- had a 1,000-yard rusher since. Uh, 2019 when Carlos mm-hmm. High ran for 1,000. So I think that's something in the, in the room that we should have every year. And I think we've just been putting effort uh, forward in the run game to do that. Titus, do you like to know who's in the backfield running the ball? Like if it's Damian versus Rex versus Dare versus whomever, do you like to know who's back there because that changes maybe your approach or how you're going to block a particular play? Like if you know it's Damian, like, hey, man, I know – if I just get on this guy right away, Damien's going to make that cut versus it's another guy. Maybe I've got to do something a little different. Do you like to know who's back there or does it matter to you? Uh, yeah, I like to know uh, who's back there. But, I mean, I try to uh, approach it the same way because uh, all those guys are different. But, I mean, if we get up there and attack it the same way every time we block our guys, and it don't matter who's back there. They should be able to, you know, yeah. make something happen because they're all good football players. 
All right, Titus Howard joining us, former quarterback, by the way. All right, so what do you think of Driscoll, Cat? Jeff Driscoll being under center, running the ball, doing everything he does, and how that changes the scheme of things. Uh, I actually like it. Um, I think it keeps the defenses honest, uh, keep them on their uh, heels. Like, they don't know, like, what to expect. I mean, like, they think when Jeff comes to the game, we're going to run the ball. But, I mean, as you can see, you see the pass he made for the mm -hmm. touchdowns. You know, it was a remarkable play. So, I think, like, the switch up with him and Davis, you know, it was, it was really good for the offense. The defense really didn't know what to expect. So, I think some going forward, that might be something that we can look into doing, like, you know, more often. Is that kind of fun to practice and – does that bring an element of enjoyment to it that might not otherwise be there sometimes, just knowing that you're changing it up and the excitement involved with that? Yeah, it's always good to uh, see that type of stuff. Like, um, we had the plays for, like, the offense tackles lined up out wide. And, um, I mean, either they can run it while we out wide and uh, or we just go right down to the offense, you know, run a play. So just to, like to switch up in the scheme, you know, something new that um, we haven't seen, we haven't had here in a while. So, I mean, it's, it's good. I like it. Titus, you and Laramie have been seeing some pretty, pretty awesome edge rushers this year. I mean, you've seen you've run the, ga the gauntlet from Crosby to Garrett, but the best one arguably in the league is the guy you saw the other day. And you look up at the end, and I remember thinking about third quarter, like, dang, Parsons, he's not doing much. And then you look up at the end, one quarterback hit and zero sacks from the whole entire Cowboys roster. So I ask you this: in your mind, what's more important to you when you walk out of there? and your offensive line hasn't given up any sacks, or would you rather have a 100-yard rusher? Now, sometimes they go together, but if you had to pick one, which one would be more important to you, getting 100 yards for your running back or getting zero sacks? That's a, a tough, tough question. One. That's a tough yeah. one because, like, you always want to get 100 yards rushing because, I mean, if you can establish a run, mm. it's going to make the pass so much easier. Yeah. But it's always good to uh, protect your quarterback because, you know, the quarterback is the leader of the offense. Uh, everything goes through goes through them. So to, for them to go and touch the whole game like that, uh, I think that's, you know, big. So if I had to choose, uh, probably the untouched quarterback. Did you guys feel that as like a – I mean, lose the game. I mean, obviously we know how you're a big competitor, so we know that losing the game matters the most. But when you look up and go, dang, man, no sacks against a team that got after and gets after it pretty Number well, one. did you guys feel – you know, uh, sort of a victory in some sense that you played that way on Sunday? Yeah, we when we found out, we, we realized that we, we felt good about it. Um, you know, uh, it's always good to, you know, go a whole game uh, without no sacks. I think there's two weeks in a row against two really good D-lines that we uh, haven't given up a sack. But like I said earlier, um, after the game, like, we did all that, but we right. didn't finish it on the goal line. Yep. And I think that was the biggest moment of the game that yep. we, you know, we had to get done. Titus, when I'm watching a game, I watch the ball. When you watch a game, are you watching the linemen play? Are you watching those nuances since that's your job and you want to see how those guys handle it when you're just watching Monday Night Football or something like that? So I just recently, like, when I got into, like, the NFL, like, started, like, doing that. Like, when I used to watch football, I used to just watch everybody. Yeah. But now, like, you know, I want to see what, like, I, I've, like, met a whole bunch of guys around the league. So I always like to see, mm. like, what guys, you know, do against other guys and, you know, kind of see what I can, you know, get from them or they can, you know, see how they're doing. So they're now I only watch the O-line, D-line, like, in a game. So, like, I watch that, and then once the ball leaves the quarterback hand, then I try to catch on what they're doing now. Tyce, what's the one thing that you're most proud of it, that you've added to your game since you got in the league as a rookie? And, I mean, obviously you've moved to different spots, you seem most comfortable at right tackle now, and you look comfortable. But what's the thing that you've probably added to your game from the time you got into the league until now that you sort of refined that craft? Yeah, I think um, 
probably the biggest thing would probably be technique. I think my technique has gotten better every year. Um, I remember when I was at uh, my rookie year, I was just out there playing ball. Yeah. And um, now it's like, you know, I, got, I come in the game with a plan, knowing what I want to do. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of film. Uh, so I like to see, I like to like come in the game and have a plan, knowing like each every down what I'm going to be doing instead of just out there guessing. Yeah. So I think that was probably the biggest thing I've improved since I've been in the NFL. Is that something that you got Kenyon who's a rookie and you got Austin who's a rookie? Is that something that I don't know whether they ask you about or is that something, you know, just kind of a, a wisdom that you've given to them? Like, hey, man, it will get there in due time, but you got to put in the work and you definitely got to put in the work in the film room. Is that something you kind of share with them as you definitely, talk Definitely, all the time. We, I, us as a group, we always express that to those guys. Uh, like don't don't take it to heart. You know everybody has their rookie slumps or you know their ups and downs. Their rookie year, it's what you do after that. You pick up, you uh, you learn from it, and you, like when that off season comes, you know you try to work on that to become better. Because the the best thing you can do is always you know get better every year. You don't want to become worse. Right. Uh, so I think with uh, Kenyon and Austin, those guys get better every week. Uh, they, they they listen to us. They listen to coaching, and I think uh, in the long road, those guys are gonna be some good players for us. Yep. Titus, other than let's see, Laramie, maybe Jo, you've been around. Well, actually, you've been around longer than any other drafted player in this organization. So, what is that like for you now with some of the younger guys? You could tell old Texan stories, really old, like 2019, <laughs> back, in <the> <laughs> back in the day. Is that strange to have been through some of these regime changes and everything like that? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I tell you, like every year I've been here, is 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 almost been like a different team. Uh, twenty twenty, a lot of yeah. guys left. Twenty twenty one, whole new team. Then mm -hmm. come back in twenty twenty two, is, I mean half the team going again. So like, it's, it's it's been a chance to not meet a lot of new guys. But you know, it's I'm like I feel like I've been here forever, mm -hmm. and I really haven't. I only been here four years. But <laughs> like, if you look around the locker room, you don't see a lot of guys that you came in with. It make you feel like you like an old head around the building. So, uh, yeah, I uh, t we talk about a lot of stuff like in twenty nineteen, but. It's not too many guys that was here for right. that. Um, really, like if you've been off the offense, um, just me, Laramie, and Jordan Akins. Yeah, and he just yeah. Came, he just came back. Yeah, this he year. came back. Yeah, and um, you know that's it for real. And the defense is literally nobody but Jo and um, special teams. You got John Weeks yeah. and Kaimi, but yeah. other than that, it's nobody left from the team. Yeah, Akins would be longer, but technically, he's a free agent acquisition at this point, I guess, yeah. or something like that. Technically, that's, yes. Yeah, technically, but he's really 2018 choice. But what? do you think of some of these younger guys, the nucleus of young guys, the 2022 draft class and some of the other players involved? I'm not going to lie. I think, uh, I think Nick has done a good job with uh, the guys. You know, he's all the guys that seem like good guys, like off the field. Uh, they all good football players. And uh, I mean, I think this team has got a lot of potential in the, the future. You know, we add some more pieces. We continue to, you know, get better. I think uh, in the long run, we're going to be a good team, but I like all the guys. Uh, I mean, they're all good guys. You know, they get camaraderie on and off the field. So, it was good, you know, to have rookies that you, you know, actually like, you know, because not, you know, everybody knows, like, sometimes you teams pick guys and then they just don't work out. Mm -hmm. And after one year, they're gone. But I don't see that from, like, none of the guys on this team. Okay. So I saw a highlight this weekend, and I wondered whether you and or Laramie would be running up to Pep Hamilton's offense office after I saw it. And you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Panay yeah. Sewell goes in motion. Now, the 49ers have put Trent in motion before, but they've never done what the Lions did. Third down, they threw it to him. How fast were you texting Laramie about, we got to see Coach about getting that play I in? mean, as soon as the game was over with, people were showing <laughs> us that, and I was like, man, we got we to gotta try that. I mean, I, I'm telling you, we're going to catch it. I know I'm going to catch it. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, so you absolutely. can throw it. <laughs> I'm telling you, but they got, we got to come up with a package of something. Cause I think, I, I'm not going to lie, if I were another team, I would have never thought them they was going to throw him the ball, actually. Right. I'm thinking they just going to do that. 
Right, he's gonna lead on you know his own play, whatever. Yeah, but because I know the defensive guys did not know that he was like going for a rock. I know Eric Kendricks was like man up man with him. Yeah, and he stopped and he just <laughs> kept going. I'm mean, like he was like oh man, they actually throwing him the ball and that's crazy. So <laughs> after Miami, when Laramie got thrown that two point conversion, was he just kicking himself for not making that catch? Yeah, yeah, he was on. He was he was he was he was he was mad about that one. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a great adjustment, too, because he threw the ball behind yeah, him. Yeah, he threw too. it back inside where he's open, yeah. Where he's open, and he turned his hips. He turned around, and he just didn't catch it. He hit yeah. him in the hands, but mm-hmm. he knew he should have caught that one. But I know the next time they throw it to him, he's going to catch it. Though. They'll catch it. You played quarterback. If I put you out there when they're throwing on air out here, so no DBs, you're just throwing to the receivers and stuff, how do you think you would do? I'm pretty accurate. Okay. You know, I'm pretty accurate. Yeah. I still got it. All right. All right. Well, so the tightest cat? I mean, I yeah. don't know if I go to the tightest cat just yet, but, Why not? you know, the Chiefs did it. The Chiefs did it with Don Terry Poe. I can't remember. They, they had a name for the formation. They called it like their pig formation or something. They yeah. put him at Wildcat quarterback, and he took a snap, and he started going towards the line of scrimmage, and then at the last second, he jumped up, jump pass. Oh, that Tebow pass, huh? Yeah, the yeah. Tebow pass. <laughs> Tebow pass you, for a touchdown. You've got that in you, Titus. You have that in we're, you. We're lobbying for you. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. All right, there's Titus Howard. Great visit with him. And if you miss any part of these shows, they're on the Texans app pretty much right after they air. So you can check them out there wherever you get your podcasts. And we're going to get in touch with Blake Cashman next. Texans linebacker from Minnesota, former Jet. Get into his journey a little bit here as the Texans Players Show continues. It's Texans Radio. Keeping it going here on the Texans Players Show, we had a great visit with Titus Howard, and let's welcome in Blake Cashman. Texans got him in the offseason from the New York Jets. He's from Minnesota. We'll get into all that. Great to have you with us, Blake Cashman. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for being here. It's our first visit. Well, my first visit with you. DP, have you interviewed Blake I before? I don't think I've interviewed you, Blake. No, no not, not even in camp. I don't know how this happens. I don't know how that happens either. Yeah, because you came over. You were a Jet and it's funny because I talked to Dan Leberfeld. I don't know if you know who that is. He does a, a thing called Jets Confidential. Yep. And he's a big Jet guy, obviously. And he said, oh, you're going to like Blake Cashman. He's going to be a good player for you. And here you are, good player for the Houston Texans. So how's it been assimilating into the Texans situation here and making plays like you did against the Cowboys? Uh, well, I love it down here. I love this organization. Uh, what has stuck out to me the most uh, since I, I've been here, is our locker room. Uh, I think <laughs> we have a great group of guys. Uh, you know. Oh, I thought you meant the physical makeup of the locker room. No, really no. nice. Because they just <laughs> renovated it last year. So it I'm like, gorgeous. hey, good reviews here. <laughs> no, no, go on. Uh, it's the guys <laughs> in the locker room, my teammates. You know, we d- we have a lot of uh, new faces. We have a lot of young players, but um, you know, everybody acts uh, like a professional as they should. But um, you know, they're, they're very welcoming and inviting. And I felt like that was very unique for an NFL locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew we had a special group and, uh, it's, it's been, you know, nothing but a pleasure to be here and playing with those guys, with this coach staff, despite how our season is going. All right. Can we talk about your big play against the Cowboys on special teams? A fumble recovery? You have not had a fumble recovery since your rookie season. Correct. Well, that was on defense, though. Yes. All right. So walk us walk us through that play and, and how it all went down. Well, it all started with uh, Cam Johnson had a great punt, um, put some great hang time on there, which allowed I believe it was Chris Moore and Traymond Smith were our gunners, 
And, you know, when you have uh, good gunners, you know, you, you want to force the fair catch. And they were able to get down there quickly uh, in the returner, uh, you know, kind of got off the spot and muffed the ball. And, you know, I, I like to I'm, – I'm a kind of player that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm as physical as I need to be all the time, but I'm definitely uh, surprised people with my speed. I just took off like yeah. they I thought for sure I was going to maybe get double teamed or get a, a, a wave from the other side in the protection to, to block me, hold me up a little bit. But they kind of let me free. So I just took off and I was able to get down there pretty quickly. And sure enough, the ball bounced uh, on, on the turf right in front of me and I was able to get up on it. Is that is that so brutal when you recover a fumble and you know what's coming? They're going to try to get it out anyway. You know, it's not over till it's over kind of thing. What is that like when you're going for it? But, oh, boy, here we go. Well, fortunately, we had uh, many Texans around the ball because yeah. uh, I believe MJ Stewart was down there as well. We both kind of dove on at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was able to scoop and corral it in, and I just kind of tucked and cradled the ball with my legs and arms and – um, tried to roll away from any bodies that were jumping on the pile because, uh, as any player knows, it can get kind of nasty right. uh, under the pile where people can't uh, see what's going on. I was going to say, is that just the worst place to be, especially on special teams? I feel like special teams has come close to turning the ball over, forcing turnovers. They've done so many times, it seems like, this year. But to be at the bottom of the pile after a Recovering yeah. a fumble. I mean, it's it's a dogfight under there. Um, everybody, uh, you know, the, the ball is uh, – taking care of the ball is what wins you football games. So, you know, everyone's going after it, um, you know, with, with – you know, by any means necessary to get it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people are grabbing, scratching, clawing, hitting areas, you know, what uh, you don't want to be hit. So, um, sure. you know, anything goes at the bottom of the pile. Blake Cashman joining us. Do you feel like in this league, all you needed was really a chance to play, a chance to participate, stay healthy, be out there, and then it's all going to take care of itself? Is that how you look at it? Absolutely. Uh, I've always felt like that and um, had the confidence in myself. Uh, You know, every player knows, you know, once you have the opportunity, like, you know, you're here for a reason. And, um, you know, the it's it's a it's a physical game it's it's a violent game and uh injuries happen to get in the way and maybe slow uh you down a little bit slow your potential but um you know you just gotta stay strong keep a good uh mindset and uh you know continue just to plug away and uh you know take advantage of those opportunities when they come and stay ready you were traded to the Texans this offseason. What was that experience like? And did you see that coming? Were you surprised? What was your reaction when that see, happened? See, this is like the the wild stuff with the um, NFL, you know, because uh, I felt like it was a real possibility that could happen. You did? Okay. But I had no idea it was going to happen that soon. So after the season last year, uh, you know, I was coming off an injury and um, – I felt like my time as a New York Jet was coming to an end, just a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really thought it was going to come after preseason. So I remember speaking with my agent, and you know, I, I felt like teams are going to want to see that I'm healthy, still producing right. uh, on the field, and and I would be able to prove that in preseason. And then the Jets would be able to show that by having me on the field in preseason. And then mm. once the preseason is over. 
trade me away when you know teams have to make cuts and roster moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I kind of had fixed in my mind. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's what my gut was telling me. And uh, sure enough, I was, uh, I think it was sometime in March, uh, end of March, I was, I was sitting at my, my mom's house in Minnesota eating lunch, and I got a call from my GM, and, you know, it was right to the point, like, we're trading you to the Houston Texans, and, you know, uh, Joe Douglas over there is obviously, you know, thanked me for what I've done, and, uh, you know, was very polite and respectful, and we had a quick conversation, and then and the ball gets moving quickly, you know, I was yeah. on the phone with Nick, and then Lovey and my agent, and I'm on a flight five hours later to Houston. Wow. Yeah. From eating lunch in your mom's kitchen yeah, to like, like on the way to Houston in the same day. It was like, uh, I think one, 1 PM somewhere around there in the afternoon. And, uh, I, I remember before, uh, I ended my phone call with Nick, he's just like, start, uh, packing a bag. Cause you'll be on a flight. By the end of the wow. Day. Yeah. They need you in the off season, get up to speed. Right. So, you hear from the GM of the team you're working for before you hear from your agent. Cause I imagine he's going to tell the agent too. And then how does all that work? And this is a good question for Nick as well. Don't think I'm not going to ask him. Well, I think it honestly, uh, it just depends on, um, how quickly the player picks up the phone because yeah. I actually got a missed call. I think if I remember correctly <laughs> oh. from Joe Douglas, the GM in New York. Okay. And then I had a missed call from, uh, my agent and I'm like, oh, getting cut. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. What's this? Uh, my mind, oh, I, that's I, usually what you, okay. Yeah. yeah. So my mind automatically went to the the worst, but uh, I called Joe back right away and then told me it was up and then talked to um, my agent and he told me that Nick was going to be calling me um, mm-hmm. very very soon within minutes. So uh, and then after that, you know, I was taking phone call after phone call. Uh, you know, because obviously it gets out in the media. Sure. Uh, so you got your friends, family contact you. But I also had uh, not just the coaching staff here in Houston, but I had the coaching staff in New York calling me. My special teams coordinator there, oh, yeah. my linebacker coach. Oh, saying They're goodbye. They're all calling me. Yeah. And yeah. Just, oh, that's um, nice. That, yeah. that says something. I, think, I imagine they don't do that for everybody, Blake. I, I <laughs> guess I, I can't really, really say, but um, I do respect them for doing that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, it's very professional. Uh, to do that, especially when you work with somebody, you know, for as long as I was there. We know Rob Sala because he was here a long time ago as one of those defensive assistant assistants, right? Yep. And he started out here in the O's, right? So a very long time ago. So we've had some familiarity with him. So he became the head coach there. And I know that it didn't work out for you there ultimately, but it's working out here. But what was it like to be around that regime a little bit? I know the Jets played here last year. Uh, yeah, uh, well, Coach Sala, you know, he's a, he's a great coach. He's had a lot of success. That's why he's in the position he is in today. Uh, and, you know, right away, I, I knew he was going to be good for uh, the New York Jets and the city of New York. I mean, to bring fo- uh, some winning football back, and obviously they're having a pretty good year this year. Uh, so I'm very happy for him and his staff, the players there. Obviously, I still have relationships with um, a, lot of, a lot of the people that are still working there. Um, but he just, uh, he's, he's, he's a coach that, you know, he, he likes to uh, get to know his team, but he also mm-hmm. carries himself with the presence of a, a head coach. And um, you can tell just the, he has that fire in his eye. Like, I'm, it's all biz. I'm here to win. Sure. Um, but he does it in a uh, very fun way, I would say. He keeps, he keeps great 
keeps the energy up in the building at all times, no matter what the circumstances or the result is after um, any given Sunday, win or lose. Yep. All right, so you grew up in Minnesota. You went to college in Minnesota, but your dad went to school in Houston. Is that correct? Was it this St. Thomas no. School? No. So that can be confusing. I, was like, I did the research I, okay, on this. I was like, I should have Googled this, but I was like, so did you have ties to Houston? You had no previous no, ties to Houston. No ties okay. to Houston. Uh, so my, you, okay, go ahead. My dad did go to University of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Minnesota. But it's in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, there's one right. in Minnesota. Yes. Well, there, I think there's I one everywhere. Know. It's like a Is franchise. Okay. No, no, they're the Tommies, right? Yep. And your dad played for them. Yep. And you were thinking of going there. Yeah, I uh, I was very close to going to St. Thomas uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, which um, at the time was a Division three school. Now uh, their football program is D1 AA. They've moved okay. up. But uh, I was going to go play football and basketball there. Mm. And, um, you know, my life probably would have been very different if I would have mm. taken that route, uh, but I was very close because I had, um, you know, my dad going there that, that those ties, and then I uh, had known a lot of people I went to high school with that had gone there and, you know, talked so positively about it. So, right, um, it was definitely an option on the table. So yeah. you didn't want to leave Minnesota at all in oh, college? N- no, I, I mean, if you would have asked me when I was. In middle school, or even beginning of high school, I would have told you like I want to go as far away from Minnesota as possible. I always felt like it was like the first opportunity in life where you can kind of get a brand new experience, and uh, I, I think you can grow a lot as a person getting far from home. So I mean, I I remember I looked at a bunch of schools around the country, uh, not necessarily for football, just to be a student. Uh, right. Because I had uh, some injuries early on in high school, so I didn't get recruited, uh, you know, like a lot of the other kids. And uh, that, I think, in a way discouraged me, um, but I still wanted to have, like, a great college experience and, you know, do what was best for me. And if it wasn't football, like, I wanted to go to a school and to a place that would make me happy. Um, But then as my high school football season was coming to an end, I just remember laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, like I, I can't, I can't give this up. Like, really? I, I, I have to play football, and oh. uh, I started taking um, calls from Division two schools, and then sure enough, when University of Minnesota came knocking on the door and offered me a preferred walk-on, I mean, I knew right away without any hesitation, like I was, go- I was going to go there. All right, so you go there, and and here you are, you're taking calls from D two schools, and St. Thomas is on the table. But you go to the University of Minnesota, you walk on, and you play well. When did it start to really click for you on campus there, football-wise? Well, as a walk-on, it was a little intimidating. Uh, I won't lie. Uh, It was a lot to take in. But I would say within the first two weeks of being there as as a freshman and doing the summer workouts, I knew I belonged. I I felt like I honestly was a better athlete and a better player than a lot of the other guys in my class Mm -hmm. that were on scholarship. So uh, I really believed I was going to have an opportunity to play. It was just a matter of when. Um, Obviously, coaches are going to give scholarship kids the opportunity Mm -hmm. first. It's just how it goes. And uh, although that can be frustrating, I understood that. 
but I just kept working and remained patient. I actually played all special teams or only special teams my freshman year. And sophomore year, I was able to get on a bunch of sub packages on defense, and that's when uh, I, you know, started to have uh, like a breakout season, get noticed, and you know, from there, the rest is history. What was it? The Holiday Bowl where you broke out? Yeah, I mean, I would probably say it was the second half of the season when we kind of got mm-hmm. into Big Ten play. Uh, I was, I, every week, I was playing a little bit more and more, and we did. We had a lot of creative packages with. Uh, linebackers and DBs on the field taking out D, D linemen so we could just have more speed and and uh, you know I was able to get um, a lot of sacks too so mm-hmm. uh, that's always fun as a linebacker and uh, you know I think the coaches took note they kept giving me more opportunity and then the holiday bowl is um, you know I think when I really earned my my scholarship on a side note, mm-hmm. as a Big Ten athlete, what do you think of these California schools joining the Big Ten Conference? Because as an athlete, you got to travel back and forth for all sports, right? Yeah. Do you it, like it? I mean, I think it, it benefits it, the Midwest. I don't really know about California, though. But what do you guys think? I thought it was it? a little interesting, but, you know, just because, you know, the, all the Big Ten teams, for the most part, are kind of right there in Midwest, the Midwest. Right. But, and Nebraska. Um, yeah, what USC and UCLA that are joining that mm-hmm. they're so far from all the schools. It's right. a lot of long travel, but I think ultimately it it makes sense just w- with the direction of where college football is going. It's it's good for the conference. It's it probably it, no brainer to say it's going to bring more money in, and uh, uh, all that's good for the sport and everyone that's involved. But it, it will be interesting to see how they. Uh, structure the schedules um, just because of all that travel. I mean, do you think that's a deterrent for a kid in California to go to a school out there if they're going to be traveling so much as an athlete, or it doesn't really matter when you're playing the sport? I don't know. You know, I, that's a Am great... Am I the only one that thinks no, about that, logistics? No, I that's mean, maybe... a great question, but I think just with how the landscape of college football has changed so much with all the NIL deals, right. I think that's where most of focus is for these... Uh, you know, recruits coming out of high school and even their their parents as well. Uh, you know, that's that's where schools, where how they land the best players and recruits is mm-hmm. what kind of NIL uh, opportunities can they give them. And that's like the main focus. So I think mm-hmm. that's really what more so the than most. all the other more stuff. So than, yeah. yeah. Blake Cashman joining us. Okay, growing up in Minnesota, when you were probably in high school, the Vikings were playing outside in the Gopher Stadium because they were building their new place. So when you play at the University of Minnesota, do you feel like those whims playing indoors, when we're playing in an outdoor facility, we're the tough guys, and they're inside in comfort? I, uh, I definitely feel uh, from playing in Minnesota growing up there that I am naturally a little bit more tough. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I remember going to some to some of those games. I think there was a playoff game. Yes, uh, Vikings versus Seahawks mm-hmm. and missed field goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Vikings fans are still aren't still over talking that about loss. it. Yeah. Still talking yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I was actually at that game. Wow, it was freezing. They stopped serving food and, and beverages because all of it froze. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. that's even wow. That's even more miserable because you're yeah. sitting in the stands with nothing. I know. still see that gif. Pro football talk. Every time somebody misses a big field goal, they retweet that gif of the missed field goal in that Oof, Viking playoff still game. Still haunting Teddy Bridgewater. Minnesota fans. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What's absolutely. the coldest game you've ever played in? 
I would say, honestly, it was in high school. Um, mm. I think it was like ne- negative 12 degrees. Mm. That was not fun. It was a semifinal game to go to the state championship, and we, we won 13 to 6. Oh, my gosh. They don't call a game for, like, wind chill factors? They they were thinking about it. They're keeping their eye on it. but um, They were keeping their eye on it. They're like, yeah, yeah these kids I think, are I fine. think they said it's if fine. it dropped below 20, they were going to. Minus 20. Yeah. Like the actual temperature. Yeah. They were going to call it, but it was uh, stayed between, like, negative 10, negative 15. We played through it. They're like, perfect. All right, I want to get into a couple of Minnesota things here because, and Blake Cashman is with us. I lived in Michigan for three years, and ice fishing was really big there. Oh, yeah. Have you done that? And it's got to be huge in the land. What is it, the land of 10,000 lakes? It's got to be big up there. It is very big, and uh, I actually plan to do some ice fishing this off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go up to Lake of the Woods, uh, big lake right on the border of, Minnesota and Canada. Ooh, and that's up there. Yeah, you can haul a lot of big walleye out of there. It's it's uh it's great for fishing. And do you get the shack and dig the hole? How do you do it? Do you do the whole thing and you have the big drill and drill the hole? Depends, in the ice? I guess, what kind of experience you want. You know, some people you know drill the hole themselves and they'll sit out there with nothing, uh, just sitting on a chair, or bucket, ice fishing. It's in the, the cold. wind, though. Blake. Yeah, the wind is what makes it brutal, but. Yeah. Some people, and and there's obviously lodges that offer uh, great service, but they'll they'll drill the holes for you. They have like a, a heated mm. ice house. Oh, like a they'll concierge d- service yeah, for ice fishing. And they'll they'll deliver you you food and, and, oh, and nice. drinks and sit in there and ice fishing. So it's which are you gonna do? I've done it both ways. Mm-hmm. I will be doing the you know the ice house with the the, the heat inside, free drill. Yes, yes, I like yes. it. <laughs> You'll never get TP up. I'm there. like even with concierge service, that seems. R- and I grew up in Indiana, and that still. TP seems really thought cold. the Greenbrier was roughing it. <laughs> I'm like, where are the malls? Where are the stores? Yeah. They have stores. It's not exactly the Galleria, though. All right, we have one more segment here on the Texans Player Show. More with Blake Cashman, the linebacker room, getting ready for the Chiefs. All of it coming up here on Texans Radio. All right, one more segment with Blake Cashman here on the Texans Players Show as we visited with Blake concerning Minnesota a little bit, his history there. What about going to New York? The New York Jets, there you are in New Jersey, actually. And what kind of culture shock was that, if any? Uh, it was very different um, for, for the Midwest. You know, when people talk about the Midwest, they, they uh, talk about people that are like, uh, they call it Minnesota nice or everyone's nice. Right. Everyone's very passive aggressive. Um, but when you when I went out to New Jersey, New York, just being on the East Coast, you know, I, it's a, such a faster pace of life. Everybody's trying to get somewhere very urgently, and and, mm-hmm. and you know, they don't really pay any mind to anybody else. People are very, I feel like, direct and to the point, and it's just because it's a faster pace of life. But I mean, I, I enjoyed my experience out there. Uh, on the East Coast, being in New Jersey and spending a lot of time in New York, it was there's so much to do, so much to see, and uh, there's a lot of different um, I feel like cultures. I found that people in Texas were actually even more friendly than Midwesterners. I think people are very open and welcoming, friendly uh, here in Texas, and I honestly didn't know what to expect. Sure, um, in terms of you know people from here, um, but everyone's been. Very nice, um, and you know, just everyone seems happy. And I, any conversation I've had, or 
um, anytime I've been around people that are from here, like it's been it's been a great experience. My, my husband's theory is that the weather is better, so people are just always in a good mood down here. <laughs> better mood. Better mood because yeah. you don't deal with snow and ice. And I didn't think people in the Midwest were necessarily that friendly, but I guess I never had New York to compare yeah. to. No, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, like, I just thought that I, was normal people. Normal people were the Midwest. I think I when thought. you get, you know, warmer weather and you see the sun more, it just... How could you not be in yeah, a great it mood? It's 80. You, it we're in December. Makes you person. Yeah. I mean, I'm... Listen, I love this weather. I, mean, I was going to say, are you loving this winter right now? I mean, I, I plan to go back and spend a lot of time in uh, Minnesota this off season, but it's not like I'm in any rush to get out of here because this this feels fantastic. Blake Cashman with us. All right, what's that linebacker room like? You got Miles Smith coaching. You got Christian Kirksey, veteran, captain, but you also have Christian Harris, rookie. Big contrast of different styles, different kinds of players in there, different years of experience. What's that like in there? It's it's an awesome room. I mean, just filled with uh, you know great men, great football players, a great coach. Um, you know, Miles has done a fantastic job at you know teaching the defense, but teaching it as a whole. Um, and you know, I think as a linebacker, you kind of have to be the smartest player on the field, or the smartest player on defense. You're kind of running the show. So uh, you know, when you have a guy, a coach that's teaching you the ins and out of what the D-line are doing, what the, the guys behind you in the secondary they're doing, it, you know, makes you a smart player and it makes you a better player and you're able to, you know, play faster and, um, you know, ultimately I think have more success. But uh, like you said, we got a, our, one of our captains, leader, Christian Kirksey in there, who's, um, he's been awesome, been fantastic all year. Uh, you know, aside from what he's been able to accomplish on the field, you know, he's, uh, he's a dude that you know does a great job at just you know bringing the room together, keeping guys connected, um, and you know we're all so supportive of each other, and you know we want to see everybody win, see everybody have success, and uh, it's a special room, and it's you know part of the reason why. I mean, obviously you don't know who's gonna still be here and who's not mm -hmm. after a season. There can always be so many different changes, sure. but um, you know, big reason why I wanted to sign back here. For next season was because of you know the guys in that linebacker room the guys in in the locker room this team it's it just the players are my teammates are awesome well, what about your fit in this defense obviously you get traded here so you don't get to pick where you're going to play but how similar or different is your role here compared to in new york well just schematically it, it's it's a very different uh defense uh, but i've for the most part, since being here, I've played a lot of the mic. Um, obviously, in the regular season with guys getting injured and you know people having to be moved around, I've played the Sam linebacker spot. But um, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a guy. You know, I understand most of my role is on special teams and you know maybe being like a sub package third down linebacker. But uh, I really take a lot of pride on learning every position or the mm. will Mike and Sam, just because, uh, you know, the more versatile you can be, the more available you can be, you know, better for your, your opportunities. So um, I, I study up every position and make it known to the coaches, like, 
wherever you need me. Like, I want mm-hmm. the opportunity to quarterback. To <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that. We're doing it by committee now. Yeah. There's like multiple guys doing it. Well, I mean, you're, to your point, I mean, there were so many injuries in Sunday's game on defense. Yep. Both of your starting corners are out. Guys have to step up. Like, you just never know, right, when your opportunity will Ex- arise. Exactly. And, you know, I, it, it's so important in this league to stay ready because, you know, there's guys that might get an opportunity to get thrown in to play mm-hmm. a lot. And if, you know, they're not ready, you know, that opportunity might not ever come back or it might not come back for, you know, years down the road, you know. So, um, you know, you'd hate to miss out on something like that. All right, so I'm not from here, but I got here as fast as I could, as the saying goes about Texas. And you're the same way. Actually, DP is the same I'm way. I'm the same. We're all yeah, the same way. The same. You got here more recently. But in the Dallas game, in that building, the vibe was different. And did you feel that? What was it like being from Minnesota, playing for the Jets? It's kind of like the Jets versus the Giants, maybe, or something like that. Or the Bills. I don't know. They're into the the division together. But what was that like for you, Blake, being part of that atmosphere? Uh, it was really special. Um, you know, just a team between two professional uh, Texas football teams. Um, mm-hmm. But it did kind of remind me of Jets versus Giants just because, uh, you know, it's, fans have so much passion, but it gives them bragging rights until yeah. the next mm-hmm. time uh, they play. And it's not like that game comes around every year. Right. You know, so uh, – there was a lot of good energy in that uh, in that stadium yesterday, and um, you know it, it was cool to see uh, a decent amount of Texans fans uh, and you know, just how you know much, much noise they brought with being an away game for us. But uh, you know it was, it was an, an awesome experience, and I think it definitely uh, helped us. I mean, I mm. feel like the players. You know, felt like this game, we, we kept making it, um, not a joke, but, uh, you know, just to, I guess, make it more fun or make the game more special. We kept calling it, like, our state championship. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, although we came up short, it was a hard-fought game all the way through. And mm-hmm. I think it was very exciting for the players and it was fun for the fans. And, um, you know, it would have been nice to come on top because – when you, when you when you fight all the way through all 60 minutes in a football game and, you know, you're leading most time, it, it stings a little bit extra harder when you fall short. I got one more for you. You mentioned being here next year. Well, you were signed to an extension during the season. Once upon a time, this organization never did that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But here's Nick Casario, Lovey Smith, the organization committing to you for a longer term. What does that mean to you? And you mentioned you want to be here, but what does it mean to you about the organization doing that? Well, I mean, it's a blessing uh, anytime you can, you know, get extended another year in, in, in this league uh, because obviously, you know, nothing's ever um, – there's, there's not a lot of security in this, mm-hmm. in this business. But, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate it because it, you know, shows that, yeah, you know, they like me, they want me here, you know, they have a plan for me. And, and whenever you can be wanted in, in the NFL, you know, that's, that's a good thing. So – um, now I'm, I'm was very grateful that, you know, we were able to, you know, strike a deal. And, uh, I think, you know, this, this football team, you know, is destined, you know, to be an elite team, um, in this league and, uh, we're on the right path, uh, despite what kind of season we're having right now. But, uh, I really do believe that, you know, we're headed the right direction.
Blake, thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck this Sunday and the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, that's it with Blake Cashman. We had Titus Howard on earlier. This show is available on the Texans app or wherever you get your podcasts, Texans and Chiefs, on Sunday at noon. Tickets at HoustonTexans.com. Coming up, Texans All Access, Drew Doherty with Mike Leach stories. D.P. Sidhu sings Driscoll Cat to the tune of the Friends song Smelly Cat. You had to be there, and you have to be there. It's Texans Radio.